Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? My goodness. Every week, we've got to go through the same thing. How's everybody doing today? Fantastic. I like it. Okay. Well, good morning, uh, folks. My name is Jared. I am the lead pastor here at Encounter Church. It is wonderful to see all of your smiling faces. It's starting to finally feel like fall a little bit. I had a great weekend with my brother and my dad. We were up at Lake Pima Tuning, and the weather was great up there. I got to bring out my flannels, and uh, I just felt great. For the past few weeks, I keep opening my closet and seeing my flannels, and they're like crying and like weeping and waiting to come out of their prison. And uh, so finally, they were able to come out. So that was a great thing. So uh, I'm glad to be here with you guys today. I'm excited for my mission trip that's coming up. Super excited for that. I have another week to go before that happens. So I've got a couple things I feel like that God has put in my heart. I'm excited because we are beginning a brand new message series today called The Road. And uh, doesn't our media team just do an incredible job with these videos? And yeah, give them a hand because they do an incredible job. All of our production team uh, just making just an incredible experience here. So Robert Frost uh, created the poem that was the backdrop of the video that we just watched. And he talked about what's called the path less traveled in his famous poem, which is called The Road Not Taken. He's talking about a choice to go a different way than the one he took and to find something more. He was looking at two potential paths and he thought that one over here might offer something different, something more. And he said that at the end of his poem that the choice that he made made all the difference. And I think that's true of us in our lives is that there are many roads that we could take in our life and not all roads are created equal and some roads lead to better places. Some roads are just better than other roads are. Each one leads to a different place. Jesus even talked about a road himself. Maybe you have heard this passage before and he said he also recommended the road less traveled. In Matthew chapter 7, he said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through that place. He said, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few actually find it. So Jesus even talks about this road, and it seems as though this calling that we have in our lives as Christians, this life of faith that we have can only be found by taking the road less traveled. And in our faith, In our faith, the road that we're really talking about is primarily the road about finding our way back to to God. I mean, that's really what Christianity is all about. That's really what this journey of faith that we are all on is about, is how do we connect back to the God that we believe created us? Or maybe there's someone in the room who is saying today, I'm not sure that I really believe in God, or I'm searching for God, and I'm not really sure I believe in Christianity or this Jesus thing. That's okay, because you're in the right spot. And I would say why is because today we're beginning a journey on on the road, uh, the road that Jesus talked about. And it's great because the book of Romans is kind of where we're going to be starting. And in the book of Romans, it kind of walks through the path, at least from the Christian point of view of the story of humanity. Where do we come from and why are we in the world the way that we are? Why do things happen the way that they do? Why does life operate the way that it does? And how do we begin to walk on that road? I'm excited for this message. Ultimately, what we're trying to do is understand what we were created for. And who we were created to be. And what is our purpose in life? Why are we here at all? 
Now, Jesus made what would, many would be considered to be outlandish and ridiculous claims. Jesus was known to say things like, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus said that there is only one way to heaven, one purpose, and it's through Jesus himself. People thought he was crazy. How could you possibly say that? And people probably still say, in fact, I know they say the same things today. How many people have you ever heard that all roads lead to the same place? All religions are the same. Let me see your hand if you've ever heard anybody ever say that, right? It's a common thought in our world today that many people think that every road leads to the same place. And they might be right, but I don't believe that. What I would say is that Jesus made some claims that were crazy, but I also believe that he is a man who died on the cross for us, rose from the grave, and I don't know anyone else who claimed that. It's incredible what he did. Now, so Jesus said that that road, that place that is the way to heaven, the way to get back to our Father, the way that we're looking for to find meaning and purpose in life, he called it the narrow road. He said that the other road, the broad one, the one that most people walk is the one that leads to destruction. And he said that there's a higher road, a road less traveled. This message series is really all about that narrow road. What is it like to walk that road and why is it important? And we find its roadmap in the book of Romans, in the book of Romans in the New Testament of the Bible. And the book of Romans was written to Christians in the city of Rome about 2,000 years ago. Now, Rome at the time was, it had a culture not unlike America today. In fact, the culture of, of Rome at the time sounds familiar. Maybe it sounds familiar to you. It's a culture where anything goes. It's a culture where nothing was really sacred. And, in, and then things about truth, the concept of truth was really nothing more than a matter of opinion. That sounds like the United States of America to me. That sounds like the culture we live in right now, where, where anything goes and what anybody wants to do is fine with, with them. And it was in this context that the Apostle Paul wrote the letter to the Romans that we now know of as the book of the Bible in Rome. And he was telling the story of how God created humanity. He was telling the story about how he intervened and how he came to save all of us. Now, many have examined the theme of the book of Romans, and what they did is they called it the Romans Road. It's a very familiar term for, for the themes that you see throughout it. And so this series, this message series, is really going to be walking that road, exploring what does the book of Romans say from the perspective of what we believe that God says about humanity and our story. And we're going to be learning that story and how it applies to us. And so today we're beginning that journey on that road. Now quickly, I just want to kind of tell you, Romans has 16 chapters, and we only have seven weeks to go through this. So we're not going to be able to hit every verse in every chapter. So this week, today, we're beginning and we're going to be hitting the first three chapters. So what we're doing is kind of taking a high-level conceptual theme. Now what I would encourage you to do is read along with us. Okay, so in the week before you come to service on a Sunday, read the chapters of the book of Romans that we're going to be talking about. And you can find that on that EC Weekly that we have that goes out every Wednesday in your email address. If you haven't signed up for that, fill out a connection card and put your email address on it, and you'll get it. And it has it in there. So you'll see that this week it says chapters 1 through 3. Next week it'll say, I think, I believe it's 4 and 5. But they're kind of broken up into pieces across seven weeks. But if you read along, you'll kind of know the context of what we're saying each week before you come into service. And that'll be really helpful for you. Plus, it'll be great for life group discussion and everything. So I want to encourage you to do that. So to begin our journey on the road, I think it's important for us first to have a little context about why we're traveling this particular road in the first place. And that's really what the first few chapters of Romans is all about. So I have titled this message, What Went Wrong? What Went Wrong? Why does Jesus clearly discriminate between two different 
paths? Why is one a road to destruction and the other the road to life? What happened to humanity? And that's kind of the journey that we're on today. If you have your Bibles, would you pull them out to Romans chapter 1? Romans chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 18. It's going to be quite a a bit of chunks of Scripture today, but as we go through pieces, I promise I'll be stopping and saying a couple things, highlighting a couple passages, but I believe that, uh, that today this is going to speak to you. Actually, why don't we, before we begin, let's just close our eyes and just pray and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Father... As we begin to open into your word and, and choose to, to explore chunks of scripture, not just one-liners or like sayings or fortune cookies sort of like pieces, what we want is to examine your word in its fullness. Would you speak to us today? For those in the room who are hurting, who are suffering, who are broken, who are tired, would you give them the rest that they need? Would you open their hearts to hear your word? For those who are skeptical, for those who are uh, maybe feeling like they don't know what they believe and they feel like maybe even right now, maybe I walked into the wrong place today, I pray you would open their hearts and their eyes today to at least listen today. God, would you speak to us? Show that you are God and that you are powerful and that you're the thing that we are all searching for. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so verse 18 says this, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their weak wickedness since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Other other uh, translations say creation itself, the trees, the mountains, they scream the name of God. Okay, that's kind of what it's saying here is that we have no excuse. It says being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. It's like there is this idea that, that, that God is saying, I have, I have made it abundantly clear that I exist. Okay, and if you just look around you, okay. Verse 21, it says, for although they knew God, who's, who's they? They is humanity is what he's talking about here. They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their heart to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So this is, this is the beginning of our problem. This is in Romans where Paul is basically telling these people who are from Rome, who are not Jewish, they did not grow up Christians. They grew up in a, in a city much like those of who you went to school with who maybe never went to church. They've never heard about Jesus, and now they know about Jesus in their church, but they, they don't have the 25-year backstory that maybe some of you do who grew up in church. These people, what they know the most of is, is other religions. They see temples on every block that has different animals, and different statues. And so this is normal for them, right? For them, they look around and all they see is, is everything except the God of Christianity. And so what we see is that what this is saying is that all of humanity has ignored the evidence that God exists, that, that God has a plan for them and said, no thanks, I would rather do my own thing. And thus, what happens is, is that they began to worship other things because in that vacuum, as human beings, we are designed to worship. 
How do you know that? How do I know that? Because even when they don't worship God, they worship other gods. They worship other statues. And then in modern day, now we don't worship statues. We worship things like money. We worship things like materials. We worship things like security, right? These things become the things we are. This is part of who we are as humanity. And they have become our God. We worship knowledge. We worship power, right? So he goes on, verse 28. So we skip down a little bit. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they, they do what ought not to be done. They have become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They even invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents. They have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. And although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. I mean, this is a pretty damning indictment of humanity, is it not? And I think the thing is, is that, but it is strikingly accurate to the wider angle view of the world that we live in. I mean, look around us, on the news, in our own nation, in our neighborhoods. Can you, can you list off how many of these things that we just read a moment ago are in the news every day? Just go to CNN.com and we see every single one of these, 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 these sinful things that, that the Bible is saying, this is at the root and the core of humanity. This is who we are as humans. Now you would say, no, wait a minute. I'm not a murderer, Jared. No, no, no. You and I are not murderers. But there is a murderer who maybe lives in your neighborhood. Or perhaps, in fact, it was true. When I lived in McKee's Rocks on Mother's Day, there was a murder in the street behind my house. So even though I didn't do it, I know it exists. I know it is a problem. I'm aware that this is an issue with humanity. But each one of us are represented in that list. Some form or fashion. Whether there be envy, deceit, gossip, boastfulness, greed, you see, all of us, every one of us have experienced in some form or fashion this, this element, this, this narrative that the Apostle Paul has been talking about. We have all experienced some of it, some more than others, at one time or another. We are a sick people. We have a problem. Us, humanity, we need help. So Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he says, You therefore, you have no excuse you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing. I mean, this is kind of where we are, right? We go, well, I'm not a murderer. I mean, so, like, I can't be that bad, right? That's kind of the thing that we think of. And he says, but now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, and yet you do the same things, do you think that you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So I've heard people say, if things are so bad, why doesn't God just push the smite button and just wipe us all out? Why doesn't he just do something about it? Well, because you see, the reason that God has not pushed that smite button is because he loves us because he cares about us, because he wants us to turn from our problem. He wants us to turn back to him. He wants humanity to say, I need help. I'm, I'm messed up. I'm broken. 
He loves us. That's why it says his kindness leads us to repentance. He, he withholds judgment on us so that he can give us the time to say, I need you, God. He wants us to realize it and to repent and to turn back to him. And so in the, New, in the Old Testament, we see that God gave the Jewish people the law. The law of Moses was a system of, of rules and, and principles to live by. And it was this exhaustive list of some pretty incredibly difficult, um, specific rituals they had to go through and, and rules that they had to live by. Why did he do that? Well, the first thing was because he wanted to show humanity that, they, that their people were set apart, that there was a different way. But the second thing that the law did was it was actually there to teach people that there was no possible way to be good enough. The law, what the law did was it actually showed us the very nature of our sin. And so Romans chapter 3 in verse 19 says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our own sin. I mean, I didn't teach my kids to say no. I didn't teach my kids to lie. But it happened anyway. But the rules that we set up in the home expose the things that are natural to us, right? That's the same concept here. God showed the standard of his principles and design for life with the law, and it shows a stark contrast to what we would do if we were left to our own devices. The rest of the world who don't live by God's principles, we see envy and deceit and murder and greed and violence and anger, right? Every one of us can say, yeah, I see those things. And it happens when we live outside of the design that God has created for us. The law of God in the Old Testament makes us ever conscious of our sin. And it points us in the direction that we are broken and that we need a savior. So that's the backstory. What, do we, what can we possibly do with that information? How can we move from forward with anything? I mean, is this the life that we are meant to live? How can we possibly move forward on a road in life? And so that's our big idea today. If you are taking notes, write this down. The road ahead begins with recognition that we need a Savior. Because Jesus will not matter to you. Faith in God will not matter to you if you don't think you have a problem. The only reason that anyone is here is because people have sensed a longing for something deep inside that there is a problem. But there are many individuals who don't bother ever walking into a church, don't explore any religions because they think that everything is fine. But yet people sit and they lay at night and they put their head on the pillow and they can't come up with an answer as to why everything happens the way that it does around the world. Every human being at some point or another, I believe, wonders, why do we treat each other this way? Why do we hurt each other? Why do we start wars? Why is there poverty and hunger? Why do we allow these things? You see, it's because we have to recognize that we need help, that we can't do it. And I believe that with all my heart. Maybe there's someone in the room who doesn't, doesn't believe that, and that's okay. But I believe that there is an answer to our problem. I believe that, 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 that God didn't just say, well, wow, that world is going to spin out of control and one day it's just going to blow up. Like that, I don't believe that. I believe that God sent an answer, that we need a Savior. Romans chapter 3, it continues in 22. It says, there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Basically saying it doesn't matter who you are, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
He's saying that, that nobody is exempt from this problem. It is a disease that is born inside every one of us. But thank God there is good news because verse 24 finally comes and it says, but all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. We have an answer. We have a savior. There is good news for this horrible problem in our world. And it's not all bad news. That's why the gospel is called the good news. Because we can bring to people this problem you're suffering with. This issue that all of humanity is. You struggle with anger. You struggle with violence. Good news. You don't have to be that forever. I mean, this is good news that we live under. God sent his son Jesus to take away the sin of the world. To take our punishment. That wrath. Because God is a holy God. He doesn't just go, well, okay, and then just kind of make it disappear. No, 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 it has to be paid for. There is a price, and Jesus paid for it, and he created a path. He created a road of salvation back to a relationship with our creator. And so this road that we're talking about, this narrow road that Jesus talked about, ahead begins with recognition that we need a Savior, and we start walking on the road when we follow Jesus on it. This road that we're talking about, this road ahead, we begin to walk on that road when we follow Jesus on it. Now, in the movie The Matrix, Morpheus says to Neo, he says, there is a difference between knowing the path and walking the path. And that's true. Many people know about Jesus. Many people have said, I like Jesus. Gandhi said he liked Jesus. But there is a difference between knowing about something and walking in it. And Jesus said that we are to walk on the narrow road. We are to choose that road because it leads to life. So we have to walk the path. So where does the road that we are to take begin? Let's finish chapter three today with some practical steps for us to begin our journey on the narrow road with Jesus. The first thing I would say about this narrow road is that the road has been cleared by Jesus and it is open to all through faith. The road has been cleared by Jesus. So imagine a path that had overgrowth. So if we live in a world where we can't find our way back to God, let's just kind of put it linearly. If I am, if I'm standing in this point and God is living all the way up at the back of the room, but there is a wall, but there is overgrowth, there is a horribly dense forest and I cannot get through, I can't, no matter what I do, make my way to the other side of the room to find God, to be connected with him again, okay? That's the picture that the gospel presents to us. But Jesus was the one who came and cleared the path. He had the tools. He had the power that no one else could do. And he cleared a clear path for us to get on the road back to a relationship. And the good news is that it is open to all. Every single person can walk through that path through faith. Now, there are people down over here who say, I heard stories about a path. I heard stories that there was a way through the wall. Because remember, I believe that all of humanity is searching for the path. Every one of us lays in bed at night, whether consciously or subconsciously, deep within our soul says, is there more? Is there more? And so people down here are saying, I heard about a path, but I don't know if I believe it. It takes faith to travel to the hole in the wall and to say, I'm going to believe that this path is going to take me to where I'm trying to go. It's open through faith. So Romans 3.21, it says, But now, apart from the law of righteousness of God, 
has been made known. The righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believes. And all it takes is faith to begin walking on the path, to begin finding your way back to your creator, the answers to the questions that you're searching for in life, the purpose of it. It is found in a relationship with Jesus. I believe with everything in me. There was a time in my life where I felt like I had nothing but questions, where I had nothing but problems, and I couldn't, I couldn't reconcile anything that was happening until I understood that there was a God who created life and that, that he designed life to be lived a certain way. And it is available to everyone. And this is the part that I think everybody has difficulty with. So many people had difficulty with the idea of faith because we want to earn it. This is why people thought Jesus was ridiculous. Are you, gonna, are you seriously telling me, Jesus, that you, this guy, this human being, this man that I saw, that you're really the only way back to God? It is hard for us. It's hard for us to, uh, to understand it, to wrap our minds around that this thing that God has made available to us is free. That it's, that it's available, that all it takes is faith. All I have to say is I believe that you are who you said you are. That's why it is so difficult. But that's also why Jesus said it's a narrow road. And he said that few will find it. Not because the road isn't capable of, of carrying that many people. It's because the concept of faith in Christ, the faith in Jesus to get us back into a relationship with our creator, it goes against everything that we as normal human beings who have sin living inside of us, it goes against everything that we think would be the case. It's difficult for us to wrap our minds around the idea of the narrow road. But everything in the Christian lifestyle is a matter of faith. There are things that we just can't see. We have to have faith. Everything we need, everything we're searching for is on this road, but it requires faith. The road has been cleared by Jesus, and it's open to all through faith. The second thing is that the road goes through Jesus, and it is walked by receiving his grace. You see, we can start on the path, but a lot of people kind of sit at the beginning. A lot of people go, oh, man, I found the path. I can get through, and I can see God way over there, right? And then they go, that's great, and they walk into the forest, and they kind of just sit down. And they don't do anything with it because they feel like, I, I, this is the point. But the point is not to find the path. The point is actually to walk through it and walk the narrow road with God. And verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through redemption that came by Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus justified us freely. What that means is, is that he paid the price. And it was by his grace. It means that there is nothing that we can do to earn it. And this is the second thing that causes everybody a lot of problems in faith, is that we feel like there's something I have to do to walk the path. Like that somehow I have to earn God's goodness, that I couldn't possibly be free, that grace isn't free. We have a problem with this. And there are many denominations in our own Christian world and even outside of those denominations. We struggle as human beings to believe that there is literally nothing that we could ever do to earn God's grace. Nothing. I can continue to be just as much of a sinner and that grace is still readily available. Likewise, I could sell everything I own, move to another nation like a Mother Teresa and serve people in poverty for the rest of my life and the grace is still the same. We walk this path, this road that God has given us, this salvation that is available to us. We walk it by walking in grace. That means that every single day when I make mistakes, I say, I receive your grace. I made a mistake. 
and I continue to walk forward. That means that, that when I serve, I don't think that what I'm doing is earning me an extra seat or that somehow it transports me further down the road because the end of the path is when my life ends. The end of the path is when your life ends. We walk with Jesus, we follow Jesus, and we are only there because of his grace. We live for Jesus because of the great gift that he's given us. But let's not confuse our actions with payment, with requirement, or earning the right. It is grace alone. And it is hard to live with grace. We struggle to live in the balance between beating ourselves up over our sin and our mistakes and then also justifying that our service to God somehow makes us holy. It is grace alone that makes us holy, folks. You need to understand that. That sin is a problem, but God has given us salvation through grace alone. We did not earn anything. No matter how good we are, we don't earn a thing. And the reality is that if we never did a single thing, we would still be saved because of Jesus' grace alone. It's important for us to understand, all of us to understand. We've done nothing to earn the salvation that God has given us. But the last thing is that traveling the road requires a toll, and it has been paid by Jesus. Verse 25 says this, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith, like we talked about, lived out in grace. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. What is, what is he saying here? He's saying that our salvation is freely given, but it is not free. There is a difference. Our salvation, the grace that we receive, is freely given. It is available to everyone. It's good news. You can tell every neighbor, every coworker, every child, every terrorist, every criminal, every person in another land, it is free. It's available to you. God's grace covers you, but it was not free. Grace was not cheap. It cost something. The first three chapters of Romans shows us that we deserve, every single one of us deserves the full penalty of sin. And that there is no way back to a relationship with God without judgment for it, without paying the price for it. And this is why the message of the gospel is good news. And I think this is the problem that so many of us have and why many of us Christians live powerless. Why we live without conviction is because we don't realize that we have been saved from something that we were doomed to experience. Every single one of us are doomed without Jesus. We will have a life of eternity without God, without hope. Everything that we see around us that is horrible the things that we desperately wish would stop, we are doomed for eternity with all of that growing creeper and creepingly closer to us until we experience it ourselves in repetition over and over again. We are doomed as humanity without a Savior. And every one of us will feel the penalty of sin in our lives. But Jesus paid that. That's the thing you have to understand, is that when Jesus went on the cross, it wasn't like some magical spell that made it erase Jesus took the sacrifice. He took it. The Bible says that when Jesus was on the cross, the weight of the sin 
All of the death, all of the judgment was on his shoulders. This is critical for us as Christians to understand that a grace that is given to us was not free. It was bought. It was purchased. And so when we say the words, when we sing songs that I've been redeemed, what does that mean? It means that every single one of us who say, I believe in you, Jesus, were handed a coupon. And then when we walk this path, there is a toll right at the beginning of the path. And we say, I want to walk this path. We hand him the coupon and it says paid for by Jesus. It has been redeemed. We're turning in what God has paid for for us. Do you understand the difference between what many other Christians hear or maybe live by? It has been paid for. The struggles, the addictions, the things that we've done, the horrible uh, deeds that we've done to people, the broken hearts that we've created, the greed, the boasting, the envy, the malice, the deceit, the lies, the murder, the violence, the anger, all of it, everything that we are ashamed of, that we rightfully should be ashamed of, but every single one of them has been covered. It has been paid for under the blood of Jesus the road back to eternal life, to true purpose, and a vibrant relationship with God has been paved by the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for you and for me. That is incredible news. It is incredible news because I remember who I was. I remember the things that I did, the things that I'm ashamed of. I think you could think the same thing. And the good news is that Jesus has removed all of it from me, but he bore it on his shoulders. He bore it with the nails in his hands and in his feet. He bore it when he was whipped with lead-tipped strings on a whip. He took that for us willingly. Our toll on this road has been paid, and now we can walk freely on the road with Jesus. We're talking about faith, we're talking about grace, and we're talking about being redeemed. I recognize that this particular message is tough. I wanted it to be encouraging and inspiring at the end, but you can't bring it home without the backstory. We are flawed. The Bible makes it so clear that no one is good. No one is righteous. Every single one of us have within us the same disease of sin that causes a terrorist to blow up a building. Every one of us is capable of that kind of destruction in our world. And for some of you, you'd say, I can't wrap my head around that. And I'm not saying that you are that person. But what I'm saying is that the, that the same sin that causes you to lie to your spouse is the same sin that causes someone to, to murder their brother or sister down the road. It is the same disease that keeps us from the holy and perfect God. And because of Jesus... Because he said, enough, I will give my life. Because he was fully divine when he took the weight of sin on the cross for us. All of that stuff, the payment of it went through him. And lets us now have a free path forward so we can have a relationship with God. And now we're people walking in a world where we can see everything happening around us but our lives have been changed, dramatically transformed. Why would I stand up here and teach this to you with this conviction and with this passion if I didn't believe that my life was so dramatically changed? My challenge to you is this. Follow the footsteps of Jesus on the road. 
Would you close your eyes with me? Let's all stand together. How do we follow the footsteps of Jesus on the road? First, you have to declare your faith in Jesus and walk by faith. This whole thing, this journey begins with saying, I believe that you are who you said that you are, Jesus. That as hard as it is for me to grasp or to wrap my head around that you are the way, I believe it. I want that. You declare that faith in Jesus and then you begin walking that path. The second thing you need to do, and for all of us in this room, is to receive God's grace and give it to others. Some of us are better at one than the other. Some of us are really good at giving grace to people, but really bad at receiving it for ourselves. And some of us are really good at accepting God's forgiveness for our mistakes, but when other people do things around us, we don't extend grace to them. We need to do both. Let us receive the grace for the struggles that we still live in. I still sin. I still mess up. And that's further into the book of Romans. We'll talk about that. There is more, so much more. But the overriding theme here is that grace is available every day. The well never runs dry. It's beautiful. And lastly, repent of your sin and live in forgiveness. Repent of your sin. This is a part that I think a lot of churches miss these days. We have to say, I recognize my need for a Savior. I recognize my mistakes. I recognize the things that I do that are not what God created me for. And repentance means turning from it. It's not just admitting, that's confession. Repentance is saying, I see this thing, I admit it, and I turn from it and walk a different way. But the good news is, is that you're not just admitting it and holding your head in shame. When you repent before God, He forgives you. So you can walk away with your, held, your head held high, knowing that you have been redeemed, that it's been paid for. This road that we are called to walk is both incredibly fulfilling and difficult. Jesus has called us to a higher road that promises the answer to life's biggest dilemma. Jesus, we want what you have for us. Help us to understand the road you're calling us to. Let us be encouraged by it. Let us be challenged by it. Is there anyone in the room who would like to begin the road with Jesus today? I'm not going to make this a big deal. I just want to see your hand, and I would like to walk you through a prayer that will start that journey. Just put your hand in the air for me. Just let me see that you want to know Jesus today. Whether it's your first time or you're saying, you know what, I just I need to recommit that. Let me see it. I see a few people already. Thank you. Anybody else? just want to give you the chance. The Bible makes it clear. You don't have to go through this kind of a process, but it's just there's something about declaring in public, saying, I want Jesus. I want this thing. Put your hands down. That's fantastic. Can we turn the lights down here? Let's just pray together. Why don't we all of us do this? If you feel comfortable, if you are one of the redeemed, if you are a believer, if you have begun the road to Jesus, or if this is your first time or you're recommitting, let's all just out loud together. Let's just say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I receive your grace. And by faith, I receive your forgiveness. I will follow you the rest of my days. Amen.
That's it. That's how easy it is to follow Jesus. But remember what I said earlier. I said you begin to walk the path when we follow Jesus on it. It's not enough to simply say, I like you, Jesus. Now we have to begin following him and allowing him to teach us. I think this is really fitting because we're going to experience communion together as we close our service today. The first Sunday of every month, we like to, to, uh, to, to take communion. And communion is wonderful because it is a reminder of this exact thing we just talked about. Jesus Christ paid the way for us to have a relationship with our creator. And communion is remembering the body and the blood of Jesus. So our service hosts can come forward and they're going to pass out these just little um, little packets here that have a piece of bread and some juice. So if you would take those as they come down, I'm just going to lead you through that. I encourage you to make this moment a special moment, a moment of remembrance. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was about to go to the cross. He was having a very special meal with his closest disciples and he, he took a piece of bread and he broke it in half and he said, this bread represents my body that is broken for you. So the act of Jesus on the cross, the act of him taking a beating before he even got to the cross, he was beaten with rods. He was spit on, he was smacked, he was punched, he was whipped. He had a crown of thorns that were like a rosebush thorns weaved together to put a crown and pierced into his head. Before he even got to the cross, he had all of that. And he knew this ahead of time and he said, whenever you eat this bread, do it in remembrance of me. There is no magic in this moment. This bread is not anything other than what it is. It is the power of the remembrance. It is the entering in that's important. And what we're doing right now by eating this bread is we're saying, I identify with that. I identify with what you did on the cross for me. So let's just eat it together and thank him for his willingness to take my punishment. Praise you, God. And then goes on to say, they took a cup and he took a drink and he passed it around to them. I love that, that he took the drink. Later after this, Jesus goes into the garden and he prays to God in a moment of humanity. And he says, God, is there any way, Father, is there any way, any other path for me? And I feel like in that moment, God said to him, son, if you don't walk this path, and no one else will be able to ever. And so in the moment where he's passing around this cup to his disciples, he says, take this and drink, for this cup will, rem will be the symbol of the new covenant, the new deal. And whenever you drink it, do it in remembrance of me. It's the blood that covers my sin. It paid the price for me to walk on the path. Thank you, Jesus, for walking that hard road and clearing it of the thorns and the, the, the obstacles and all the things that have allowed me now to find hope in life. As we drink together, let's remember and thank him for being willing to take my sin on his shoulders. Let's drink together.
we just, it's just right now in this moment, everyone with their eyes closed, let's soak it in. Let's allow ourselves to experience this moment, this encounter with God. He is here, folks. God is in this room. We didn't conjure him. He is present. And he is he's whispering in our ears, I love you. I have created this road for you so that you don't have to be alone anymore. Walk with me every day, he says, calling you. And we should respond to him. Jesus, thank you. You are good. You are the best. Let us remember, God. Let us remember every moment of every day what we have been saved from. That it was not free. It was paid for in full. Let our gratitude rise up in following you. And God, as we continue in this book of Romans through the coming weeks, would you open our hearts to learn more about the story that you have taught us. For any of us in the room who are struggling with doubt or fear or confusion, I do not want to preach this word as though as though I don't understand that, because I do. God, would you translate exactly the way that we each need to hear your word so that we can apply it to our lives, we can find the freedom that you are so, so freely giving to us. We worship you, God. We worship you because you have saved us. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.